Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bench with Carter Eccles, episode 87. I am your host, Carter E., joined as always by my producer, Jeff Mulvihill Jr. of InstaImage.com. Jeff, how are you hanging in there? It's World Cup time. It's amazing. <laughs> I am recording them. I had a little snafu, but I had to figure out, but got it all good. So... I've watched an insane amount of soccer in the last couple of days. Very nice. We will get to the Women's World Cup uh, here in just a little bit. Uh, also got some uh, updates from uh, the governor's dinner, and then uh, just quickly take a take a lap around the area and see what else we've got uh, in the in the works over the last uh, week or so. Uh, but of course, today's episode is sponsored by Played Against Sports, your best place to go for new and gently used sporting equipment needs. You can find Played Against Sports in the Topsy Lane Shopping Center or online at www.playedagainstsports.com. All right, Jeff, before we get to the Women's World Cup, uh, Bo Jackson showed up to the governor's dinner. This most people that don't, most people probably don't know who that is. Oh, I would hope people know who Bo Jackson I, I is. I do too, but I lived that that whole time period. All right. Well, I guess since you mentioned it, for anybody who doesn't know, Bo Jackson, uh, two-sport athlete, played both in the NFL and the MLB concurrently at the same time, and uh, uh, was was pretty solid at both. Um, you know, was, became a pretty famous name. You know, I'm just trying to think of how to, how to describe him otherwise. I don't know if you have any other descriptors, but known for his just outstanding slash ridiculous speed i think first and foremost especially when it comes to like running back yeah ran the, ran the ball in the nfl and uh yeah just a fantastic guy a big nike campaign so i yeah. think that's what where if you google him you'll that would be the most of what people would find is his big 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 nike campaign yeah and uh, i think he said a 30 for 30 documentary done on him as well um we got all of four minutes to talk to him he wouldn't tell us what his uh speech was going to be about though uh because they kicked the media out none of us could find uh, out stick around and find out what it was he said we'd have to stick around to listen which was not possible you know look i how do i want to present this okay so in in the midst of this media scrum it was me Jim Krajewski of the RGJ and then two, uh, Mike Stephenson of the NSN and Kurt Schroeder of, of Colo 8. And, uh, in the, in the process of us all getting like one question, um, Kurt Schroeder of Colo 8 asked him, all right, Bo, do you have any, any advice for, you know, kids who want to be two sport athletes like yourself? I mean, any, any advice there for kids who want to play multiple sports, uh, in a, in a world of specialization and, the legendary two-sport athlete said kids should specialize. Kids should not play multiple sports. His, his direct quote was, the talent pool is too deep, which, you know, naturally provokes a follow-up then. Well, well, Bo, how did, how did you do it then? He couldn't tell us. He said he had no idea. It was just what he had been doing. Jeff, I got to say, that's hilariously narcissistic to sit there and say, no, nah, kids these days can't do what I did because the talent pool's too deep. But how did I do it? Couldn't tell you. I don't know. Jeff, we got the best podcast in the world. <laughs> how do we do it? I'm honestly speechless because that is not, I mean, developmentally, that is just not what. No, the research 
states very clearly that you should play multiple sports. Yeah. It's yeah. Uh, it's contradictory to to think otherwise. I understand what he's saying. Yeah, if you, you want to make the bigs, you you got, but we're we don't have guys being drafted every week coming out of Carson City or even out of Northern Nevada. Right. So enjoy your life. That that part I get. Yeah, if you want to go pro, I get it. You're more likely to go pro in one sport than you are two. Yes, gotcha. All right. Now to say that kids should specialize. Let's take a quick peek down uh, not too far long ago. He's currently a quarterback in the NFL by the name of Kyler Murray. He was drafted in the first round by the A's. You mean to tell me Kyler Murray couldn't do both? No. Kyler Murray could absolutely do both. It wasn't financially responsible for him to do both, and teams wouldn't let him do both. That is that is more the state of affairs than anything now is that they talk kids or athletes out of doing yeah. Doing both. Even our most uh, most recent drafted kid out of McQueen, Robbie Snelling. He, there were there was talk about him playing football at LSU. Right. Right. So boy. Yeah. I, I it just it it made it made very little sense to me, especially for somebody with his his background. And I you know, I was having a conversation earlier uh, this morning, uh, we're taping Monday morning here. It was like, I wonder when the switch flipped. Because at some point you have to think growing up that Bo Jackson was oh play two sport play every sport you can right I'm I'm so good at all these sports I'm going to play as many sports as I possibly can somewhere along the way decided that specialization was the way to go and I just I could not more vehemently disagree I just it was it was kind of wild to hear hear somebody of his stature with his pedigree say that the talent pool was too deep um, Bo, you played in the late '80s. Like, <laughs> yeah, you're not. Look, phenomenal athlete. I just, I do. You got to take you know, advice is advice, right? I mean, it's everybody's different. Uh, got to take everything with a grain of salt. I would also suggest to kids to not meet their heroes because sometimes you'll be <laughs> you gravely want, disappointed. Don't want to hear him talk. Just yes, watch him play. Right, right. So uh, that was that was the governor's dinner. It was. You know, maybe this is maybe this is too far, but you, you see everybody walking around in these white T-shirts that says Bo knows, and I'm just sitting there. I was like, I don't think Bo knows. I I don't I don't think Bo has any clue. Um, Bo forgot. Bo Bo doesn't know because uh, ask ask a college baseball scout or coach. Does he want kids throwing 12 months a year? No. Ask a college football coach. Do you want kids slamming into each other 12 months a year? Absolutely not. Basketball might be an exception, uh, given it's the way the sport is played, but generally speaking, you do not want to specialize in one sport unless, I mean, look, if that's what makes you happy, go for it, right? I'm not I'm not saying that you shouldn't specialize in one sport, but it is just a wild piece of advice to come from a two-sport star to say that kids should not play multiple sports. It just sports. brings me back around to that whole conversation of the number of athletes that play, end up going on and playing Division One is so rare uh, in college. And depending on what sport, it's becoming not even the path anymore. Uh, you know, in soccer, they've kind of, it is still a path. It's a great opportunity for you to get your education paid for and or just play in college, but it's not the path anymore. So, yeah, <laughs> last, last thing I'll say on it, and then we'll, we'll change topics here. But uh, 
it's a, a little bit of an off example, but let's look at Shohei Otani, right, for baseball. Does both. He hits any pitches. Now, this is not a two-sport thing, but a lot of the story around Shohei was he, re- he wanted to come to the States right away, and the Japanese Baseball League said they are going to beat the two-way out of you. They are going to want you to do one thing. As soon as you struggle hitting, they're going to want you to focus on pitching, or as soon as you struggle pitching, they're going to fo- want you to focus on hitting. If you stay here... We'll let you do both. And so he stayed in Japan, did both, showed he was crazy crazy successful at it, and then came over to the to the US. And I don't know. I don't think I don't think anybody should ever tell you that you can't do something when they have no idea whether you can or not. Well I mean, if you look at the whole idea of batting and pitching, you're on the field, you're contributing to the game the whole game yeah. versus just being every other half inning. And that was, that was one of the things that, you know, my dad kind of beat into my head is in, in college, I didn't play a lot. My first two years I came in hurt my third year. I played a lot more, but make there be something that you need to be on the field for, you know, and whether, you know, whatever it is. Well, I ended up having a something that got me on the field a lot, especially towards the end of games because I could throw the ball. So anything inside the half, we were throwing it into the penalty box because we played in Spartan Stadium, which was tiny. So, you know, something to get you on the field. And, and he's a perfect example. He's batting and pitching while he's playing the whole game. So that's ideal. Yeah, and I, I don't think – imagine if, if somebody had talked him out of doing that, right? We, we wouldn't have this – what Shohei Otani is currently doing is something nobody's ever seen in oh, baseball. He, he's, not even he's incredible. Not even Babe Ruth and who's the, doing this. The story around it too is incredible. And to think that he could have gotten advice from Bo Jackson or any sort of celebrity professional athlete who said, "No, you're in the wrong for doing multiple things." I think you're wrong, Mr. Jackson. But I will leave it at that. Jeff, moving on to the Women's World Cup. Uh, U.S. beat Vietnam 3-0 in the, the opener. Um, a lot of talk before the game started whether or not they were going to put up double digits. Uh, they did not. I'm curious what your your thoughts were given that I believe the game against Vietnam should have been their, should be their easiest in the group stage. Statistically or on paper, yeah, it okay. should, should be their easiest. Um, Vietnam is no slouch. They understand how to deny goal-scoring opportunities. They played very well. I think the other two teams in the group, Portugal and the Netherlands, are going to struggle against Vietnam. Um, I don't think that I think the U.S. is going to go through without any troubles. Um, they've got speed up front that Portugal and the Netherlands just don't have in the back. Um, they played each other, Portugal and the Netherlands. I think the U.S. will go through without any troubles. Uh, yeah, they're going to have to score, but and then they're going to get some funky things. Uh, I think both teams will just drop back so they can't be beat with their speed. But if they're not careful with that, then you're going to let that midfield, uh, who will destroy you as well, tear you apart. So I, the next two games are going to be fun to watch just because the strategy of soccer and how it'll happen. But I, I think the Vietnam's going to surprise some people. They didn't. The one th- disappointing thing I had against with Vietnam was. They weren't trying to attack. They were just trying to not get scored on. And they were capable because there were times out there, and even the commentators were mentioning it, that they're so much better 
than Thailand was four years ago when we just wiped them out 13-0. You know, the, the progression of everybody in the world has gotten so much better. And, and you know, they had said that so far they don't hadn't seen a team that doesn't belong. So that was a nice positive thing to hear about everybody. So uh, For anybody who may have missed that, that first group stage game, don't worry, the U.S. plays the Netherlands Wednesday at 6 uh, and then they will play Portugal on Tuesday, August first. This has it listed at midnight, so that yep. might be a late, a it's, late game. Uh, this World Cup is being played in New Zealand, New Zealand and Australia, and Australia. So, uh, quite the time difference from, uh, especially from the Western U.S. Yeah. So, uh, anything else? I mean, on the on the the World Cup front, obviously, you know, I'm sure the U.S. are, are the favorites as always. But any other any other teams that have have impressed you here? Um, their, Brazil and Germany both ran up. I think one scored five, one scored six today. That was just early this morning. So those teams are, you know, again, you're expecting them to put up quite a few goals, and, and they did. Germany looks strong, uh, just big, powerful girls, uh, women, sorry. Um, they're, they're girls to me because I'm twice their age at least. <laughs> but, um, you know, they've got a forward that's, I don't know how tall she is. She's like, she's at least six feet, and she just towers above and a very strong heading game. And then Brazil, I think, scored three of their... I think they scored six goals, but three of them. One gal got a hat trick. Some beautiful goals. Um, go on YouTube and just search one of the games, and it'll show you all the highlights. They're only five-minute-long highlights, and you see all the goals. So it's pretty cool. We, you know, Obviously, in the men's game, we had this too, but uh, you can see all this stuff when you wake up in the morning because the game has been done for hours. So... Yeah, yeah, good stuff there. Uh, definitely worth checking out if you you haven't to this point. Obviously, uh, with the World Cup, it lasts probably until mid to late August, if I'm if I'm not mistaken. But once again, I imagine that the U.S. women are are the favorites until until proven otherwise. There. Yep, yep. Should should go far. They're gonna obviously when you get into the later rounds, it gets tougher. So the the Netherlands game and the Portugal game uh, will be good good indicators. But I'll be curious to see what they do for how the those two teams try to handle the speed up front. And I think that's one of the bigger reasons why Vietnam only got three goals scored is when you drop back, you're you're not allowing those forwards who are wicked fast. Uh, Sophia Smith and Alyssa Thompson are insanely fast. Uh, Trinity Rodman, same thing. And they'll just blow right by you. And if you just back up, you know, and the whole team... So I think they came out with a five-four-one lineup, okay. which is, and that's pack the park, box, yeah, <laughs> pack the box, pack the box, park the bus, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> and they never tried to get out, and, and you know, if it was obvious, then yeah, but and that's a long way to run. And then you got to hike it back. But they had all eleven in with it, within you know, not even in the center circle, so they weren't trying to attack at all, which was a little disappointing because they they did get a few opportunities, but. And we shut that down. Yeah, I was very familiar with the pack the box strategy from some of my youth soccer teams that were not very good. So. Yeah, yeah. I. It's funny because one of the first, one of the first coaches that my dad ever coached against, their defense was awful, but they beat you nine to zero because you couldn't get past their midfield. So they packed all their midfield and their forwards, and they just beat you with goals, and you couldn't get past that front. You know, the best defense is a good offense. That was his rule. And they just annihilate teams. But if you could get into their defense, they were terrible. 
So the problem was you just couldn't. So it'll be, I'll be curious if the Netherlands tries to stretch us because um, their backs are not fast. So And then Portugal's got some speed, but they got a forward that's wicked fast too. So she was kind of fun to watch when they play the Netherlands because she just ran right past them. So uh, if I had to put you on the spot, who else would you say is coming out of that group along with the U.S.? Netherlands. Yeah, they, they're just – they beat Portugal and they're – the, the, just overall, I think they're a better team. So it's just, you know, they just need another win against uh, the, the game against the U.S. will be telltale, but they just need to beat Vietnam. They go through. So two wins would be, you know, get you through basically. So be curious to see how well Vietnam does. So good for them. We'll have more coming for you guys on the uh, the Women's World Cup front here as the, the weeks go on here. Uh, just, you know, real quickly, want to give a shout out to all of our listeners. We officially eclipsed over 5,000 listens on the, on the podcast since we started. Uh, so thank you guys for, for tuning in. Pretty interesting to see where, where the podcast is being listened to. Obviously, Carson City and Gardnerville are, are up there. But there's some other, other interesting cities up there. So if you're listening from somewhere not in northern Nevada, we appreciate you. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Also, uh, feel free to send me more of your Carson Douglas rivalry stories. Uh, hit my email, C-E-C-K-L at NevadaAppeal.com. I've gotten a few. Uh, I don't have any more I'm going to share today. We're going we're gonna to let those build up a little bit. Um, but definitely got so, some more good ones there. And I uh, would love to hear hear any more um, you may have had. I know I heard that uh, my story from the 1992 JV game got, got passed around a little bit. So uh, hopefully hopefully I hear back from some, from some more of you guys there. Um, otherwise, thanks for listening. And, of course, thank you to today's title sponsor that is played against sports your best place to go for new and gently used sporting equipment needs located in the topsy lane shopping center you can also find them online at www.playedagainstsports.com for jeff mulvihill i'm carter eckle that's going to do it for episode 87 and we will catch you guys next week take it easy